Good morning, City Church. How are you doing so far this morning? Come on, wasn't worship so good? What an amazing reminder that the blood of Jesus, the grace that comes from it, is, is why we participate in moments like this. Where we celebrate with one another, we come to him, and uh, he's so good to receive us as we are, and loves us so much that he moves us forward and walks with us as we stumble uh, and run quickly. Wherever you find yourself, online or in the room, man, the presence of God is strong, and uh, he's here with you. Can I just say welcome? On behalf of our senior pastors, uh, Nicole and, and Pastor Brent, we are so excited that you were here with us. We don't, whatever it is that you walked through this week, that God was with you, and that the fact that you chose to come and worship with us this morning to seek his face in this assembly, man, I believe that God has something in store for you. There's an incredible invitation on your life, and they're taking some rest. So you get to listen to us speak today, the three of us. We got Elle, our worship leader, right, extraordinaire, and we got Michael, our, our student's pastor, pastor, leader, uh, director, whatever it is that we call each other here. Um, and I just want to remind you that, that we've been praying for you. We've been anticipating your arrival. We've been preparing, and I believe that the, the collective wisdom that will be shared today, something will land, and that God has some incredible treasure for you. The Bible tells us this. Paul in Acts, it says that you have been placed in the cities that you've been placed in, that perhaps you would reach out to find God, and that indeed you would. And so you're here, and let us pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you. We thank you for your presence. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you have done, and Holy Spirit, we are excited that you are going to speak to us through your words, through your servants. Be with us. Keep us focused on you, in Jesus' name. Men. And just before my, my timer starts, uh, we're speaking about treasure this morning, and, and uh, there's some treasure to be told of on this stage. I don't know about you, but somebody got a ring, and it's not me, um, so you're going to find out later. <laughs> Presence, placement, purpose. Every time I read the Bible, I see that God is up to something incredible. And, and my role here at the church is that I'm the creative director. And that can, that can mean a lot of different things. It can be video. It can be thinking of photos. It can be thinking about colors, uh, communication. Whatever it is, there's something that I need to be thinking of, seeking the Holy Spirit, working with our team to communicate the love of God in fresh ways that excite people, that capture people's imagination. And I am so incredibly encouraged every time I read Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, that we get to do life with a creative God. Like, think about it. In Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, there is a list of things that there was nothing, and then in the beginning, he created. He created, he created the, the universe. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. He, he began to move things and shift things and shape things, and, and there were things that didn't make sense until they did. I like, think about it, like, on the second day, he said, let there be light. First day, second day, I might have messed up. He said, let there be light, and there was, and then four days later, he made a sun, moon, and stars. And so God is always creating, he's always up to something, and we may not understand what that means or what that looks like, but he has prepared it in advance. The Bible even tells us that we've been prepared in advance for good works. 
That he is incredibly engaged in your life. We see that he moves everything around and then he creates man and he places man in a garden that was already created. And one of my favorite things to say to people as I've been a youth pastor for a long time and now I'm in a new season of communicating and leaning in to who God is in community. And what I love to say is that we've been purpose-filled and perfectly placed. Again, that idea that we've been put where we've been put so that we can find him. Jesus teaches us that it's not just about finding him and living in that realm, but it's actually showing people who he is and continuing to reveal. We see that Adam is perfectly placed where he is, and him and Eve are to continue to cultivate the garden, to extend the presence of God as they go. We serve a creative God who invites us to create as well. He's intentionally involved and invested in you. And one of the things that I, I, I loathe about church, that, that guys, I, I get really frustrated about this, is that people who don't sing, who don't play a guitar, and who don't preach feel like there's no place for them in the church. That is an absolute lie. And if you've ever felt that way, I feel terrible. And I want to let you know today that that is not the heart of God, that each and every one of you are uniquely made and designed to make and design unique things. That the invitation for you, whether it is taxes or it's uh, driving Uber, whether it's serving at a restaurant, that, that there's actually a parable for your work in this world. That as you do the things that you do as a student, as a leader, whatever it is that you find yourself doing and that you find vocationally your employment or just your passions, that you are actually revealing the kingdom of God. You are reminding people that there is somebody that is invested and engaged in the lives that you serve. It seems lofty and it seems other, but it is absolutely true because we are made in the image and likeness of God. Or at least we are in the image and we are continually walking towards him, returning to that likeness. Out of the brokenness, with a kingdom focus, we actually image God to the audience of our life. And so I don't know where you find yourself and how you outlet creativity. Maybe it isn't through art, but it is definitely valuable. And you are placed perfectly to do so. And, and what I think about when I think about this creative God who gives us things that we never asked for, who gives us an adventure, like this, this incredible road to walk on that we could have never imagined for ourselves, that he walks it out with us each and every step of the way. You know, as I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking really about the Exodus story. Come on, you guys remember that, right? Children of Israel, they're enslaved for 400 years. We, we know this story. The, the guy, what was his name? Moses. Moses, the the stuttering prince of Egypt. Like, it was a great, great movie. As a kid, do you remember watching that movie? It was in Prince of Egypt. That wasn't him, though. That was Joseph. It was the other one. Yeah, Ten Commandments. <laughs> Find Moses having a conversation with God. and He's coming up with an unlimited amount of excuses. And, and God moves him to speak to the Pharaoh. He says, I, I, I hear the cries of my people. I see their pain and their suffering. And I'm very concerned with their situation. And I need somebody to go. I need somebody to go and deliver them. We understand that this is a foreshadowing of who Jesus was ultimately going to be. And after all the plagues and all the miracles that are seen, you can find in, in Exodus, we, we find that the Pharaoh finally relents. He finally says, okay, get out of my hair. I'm over it. 
Bible tells us that the children of Israel begin to walk out of Egypt. Now think about it. For 400 years, this people, they, they don't even really remember their history. There's just a man who is, accepts an invitation and he goes for a long walk with God. And then all of a sudden, there's all these people who are in caught up in slavery, stuck there, defined by their bricks. Like every single day they go to work and that's all they're defined by. They're locked. They have no imagination for a better life, a better world. And then all of a sudden they are set free and sent on a journey to a promised land, a better tomorrow. The Bible says that God gives favor to them and that they begin to knock on doors. Come on, everyone say knock, knock. They begin to knock on doors and have conversations with the Egyptian people. They're like, hey, so I know you got some, like, bites and boils, and I know you lost your firstborn son, and I I know things are rough. You don't have enough water. The locust is eating all the food. You're devastated. But we're going on a road trip. We're getting out of here. Would you give us your gold and silver and precious jewels? Will you give us your tapestries and fine linens? Come on, how many of you think that's offensive? It's a little offensive. The Bible says that they've been given favor, and the Egyptians give them all of the good things, all of these good gifts. The Bible tells us that then they get to the other side, and the stuff that they never asked for, that God had blessed them with, things they never imagined having because they were only defined by the bricks that they made. They had no inheritance. They had no savings account. The Bible says that God invites them to give an offering. Thing they never asked for. They're asked to give up some of it. God begins to tell Moses, hey, hey, guess what? I have a couple people in mind. Their names are Bezalel and Aholiab. And I have downloaded the blueprints of heaven on their mind. I want to bring things to earth as it is in heaven. Here's what the cost is. Will they make an offering to me? Bible details this incredible transaction where people give of what they have to this cause that they cannot see yet, to build arcs and lampstands and tables and altars and ephods and all these incredible things that have been downloaded to people that are willing to serve, people who are willing to reveal heaven. Bible says that there's tons of people who are skilled in, in craftsmanship and other things. And as people bring this offering, the Bible tells us that Moses is overwhelmed and God actually has to invite him to stop receiving these gifts. What we learn is, is in the slavery time that these people were in, as they occupied time, as they worked vocationally, as they were conscious with their moments, when they entered into freedom, They took those skills, let's say, of the world, and they applied it to the kingdom. And all of a sudden, God's presence that seemed so far away, the voice that was never heard for hundreds of years, all of a sudden becomes known. And the presence of God moves with a group of people called the Israelites. Again, as a foreshadowing of what it would look like when Jesus arrived, which is a foreshadowing of what it would look like when you arrived. It's your purpose filled and you're perfectly placed. My challenge to you, and I believe the invitation for your life today, is to take your placement. You are where you are. Take your passions, whatever they may look like, and begin to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Say, God, how can I creatively use my workplace? How can I creatively use my vehicle? How do I creatively use 
my relationships? God, how do I creatively use my creativity to what? Cultivate the presence of God in a world that is desperate and dying to see him, to hear him, and to know him well. And that today, church, that's my invitation for you. You're perfectly placed. You're purpose-filled. I invite the Holy Spirit to ask you how your creativity can reveal things on earth as in heaven. encouraging. We're all creatives. Thank you, Calvin, for sharing that with us today. Well, my name is Michael Leto. I'm the youth director here at the church. And just right off the top, I want to say that if you are watching this right now and you are a junior high or a senior high student and I haven't seen you in a while, I just want to say that I love you and I miss you and I can't wait to see you again, okay? So, I am the youth director here at the church and as the youth director, I'm naturally looking at other churches. I'm watching what other churches are doing, what other youth ministries are doing, and I'm trying to like take ideas and just take samples of what other people, people who have done this longer than me, uh, are doing and just seeing kind of what's going on. And I remember one time a while ago, I was watching uh, a youth service from an American church, and it was an amazing thing that I saw. This church is a really big church, and their youth service had thousands of students in it. They had a famous guest speaker, they had glow sticks, they had moving lights, and the most impressive thing to me was they had this floating stage. I don't know how they did it, but they, they hung a platform from the ceiling, and they put their worship band up there. It was amazing. It looked like a Kanye West concert. I wanted to be there right there. And I could tell the students were loving it. They were having a great time. And I thought, while I was watching this, I was simultaneously discouraged, but also inspired, thinking, how can we get to that level? How can we get there? Where's our floating stage? You know? I want that. So I was discouraged, but I was also inspired. And then, shortly after, the pandemic hit, and it disrupted everything that we knew disrupted everything you knew, it disrupted everything I knew as a youth leader working in youth ministry. But this disruption led me to kind of think about where I am and what we're doing. It led me to ask myself this question, the question that I want to title this little talk, the question that I think we should all ask ourselves, and that is, what am I building? I ask myself, what am I building here at the church? What am I building here at City Youth? And I think that's a question all of us can ask ourselves because we're all building something with our lives. Now we are stepping out of one of the most disruptive seasons in our lives. There's been disruption in our jobs, in our homes, in our families, and specifically from my perspective, which I wanna share with you, in our youth ministry, there's been disruption. We were suddenly halted left unable to do the things that we normally do, left unable, restricted from gathering together like we usually do. Now, this has been a challenging season for myself, for you, for your children, but the good news is that God doesn't waste seasons. God never wastes seasons, no matter how bad it might seem for us. God is using it. God is working in that season 
to show us something new, to teach us something new, to bring us to somewhere greater. And it's up to us. We have a choice in every season in how we respond. And in a season of great disruption like this, we can choose to either become bitter and kind of wallow in the sorrow of where we are. We're being forced to change and do things differently. And we can kind of just sit in that and think, why is this happening to us? Why is this happening to me? I shouldn't have to change anything. I think a lot of us naturally resist change. And so when it's forced upon us, we don't like it. And we can very easily settle into that and become bitter. Or we can choose to become better. We can choose to ask ourselves, what can this disruption teach me right now? God did not bring this into us, but God can use it to make us better. God can use it to teach us something. So what is this disruption teaching me? That's something that we could ask ourselves. And in the process, we could become better. And I believe we have a moment right now to reassess our lives and ask ourselves, what am I building right now? And further to that, what am I building with? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. You see, disruption is similar to fire, in that it can break something down and expose its foundation. Fire refines, and fire reveals, and so does disruption. And so when the shiny exterior of all our showcases have been burned away, we're left to be accountable for the true quality of our work. And God has revealed our foundation in the same areas that we have found disruption. God has been showing us what we've been building with. And what we've built as a youth ministry has been exposed to fire, resulting in revelation. He's shown us what we've been building with, and it's time to learn from that. And this should lead us to the question, is what I'm building going to last? In John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. God has called us to build and to bear fruit, but not just any fruit, fruit that will last. The best kind of fruit, the kind of fruit that lasts, is people. So if we circle back to the first question of what am I building, I believe the answer for all of us should be people. We are called to be disciples and to build disciples. If we build people well in the faith, those people will turn around and build other people in the faith. And that is how you establish a legacy of Jesus' followers 
And that's what I want to do here at City Youth. I want to help build a generation of Jesus followers who stand through the test of fire. Because when fire reveals the foundation, when fire reveals what will last, we build differently. And we are all called to build differently. This past year and a half for me has been a reminder to stop wasting my time and energy on things that won't last. Some things in your life are not worth your time. What are we going to be talking about in 20 years from now? In youth ministry, it's not about the fancy equipment. It's not about the floating stages. It's about the people that are in front of us. It's about that student that needs Jesus. It's about that student that needs a friend, that just needs someone to talk to. At City Youth, we are not building services. We are building people. And not just people. We're building disciples. And not just disciples. We're building resilient disciples. The kind of Jesus follower that will stand firm through the fire. The kind of Jesus follower that will graduate university and still say with confidence that they follow Jesus all the way through their adult life. I want to hear, I dream of hearing stories of former students when I'm older who are still following Jesus into their adult life. I want to be in my 40s saying, oh, there's Mary. She has her own family now, and they're all following Jesus. That's the dream for me. Some things in life are not worth your time, but spending your time and energy on the next generation will never go to waste. So as I close today, I want to take a moment to speak specifically to the parents of any junior high or senior high students here in the room watching online. I want to first thank you for your patience over the past year and a half. And I want to thank you as well for your leadership in your home. We are in the process of building something really special here at City Youth. I believe that with everything inside of me. But we can't do that alone. We need your help as parents of students. We need your help. Youth ministry does not happen outside of good parenting. It happens in partnership with it. So we need you. So I would ask you, I would challenge you, as we are opening back up, as we are doing new things, I would encourage you to bring your students to church. But don't stop there. That's where a lot of people stop, I think. Don't just bring your students to church. Bring church back home with your students. Talk about what we talk about. Discipleship doesn't just happen at the church. It happens in the home as well. Now, I'm, I'm not that smart, but I am wise enough to know that if you want to build something significant, you shouldn't build alone. And so I don't want to build alone. I'm the youth director. I'm proud to be the youth director here at the church. I love your students, but I don't want to build anything alone because what we're building here matters and it's significant and we need your help. So parents, let's partner together as we lead the next generation and let's all collectively spend our time and energy on growing fruit that will last. Thank you.
Leto bringing the word. So good. Uh, hey, before my timer starts, I feel like we glazed over something a little bit when Calvin was speaking. We're talking about treasure. Come on, our very own Michael Leto, he actually got engaged on Friday to the beautiful Ruth up in the front. Got you. We're not going to glaze over that. My goodness. Uh, we love you, and we're so proud of you. That's so good. I actually have loved just watching Leto grow into this season, and, and I really believe that uh, the city youth is purpose for that. And Calvin, you're okay, too. We're glad that you're here, too. All right. Well, if you don't know me, my name is Elle. I'm the worship director here at our church, and so I get to hang out with our production and worship teams week after week. I actually want to take a quick moment to publicly honor our worship and production teams. And they're just heart for this house, their dedication. Yeah, give it up for them. Come on. Uh, in a season where a lot of other teams got to kind of take a pause simply because we weren't in the building, I just watched our team kind of step up. They, they pressed the gas even harder, and it's been a joy just to work with them and to serve with them week after week. Uh, I love y'all a lot, all right? And so this morning, I actually wanted to share with you some vision that our worship and production teams have been rallying around uh, this past summer. We do this often, actually. Uh, the mission statement at our church is to move people closer to Jesus. And so for us, what we, what we like to do is every couple of months, we just reevaluate where we are. We just pray for some vision for our teams to make sure that we know what we're doing, why we're doing it, and we kind of unify around that. And so this morning, I just wanted to share with you what our team has been rallying around. So we've been using the statement, we've been saying, uh, it's time to break the bottle. Come on, say that with me this morning, say break the bottle. Nice. So uh, turn with me to Mark 14, 3, and as you're kind of finding your place, I'll give you context for this scripture. Uh, Jesus actually just raised Lazarus up from the dead, so performed this amazing miracle. Then we find him in a town called Bethany, and he's just hanging out with his friends, okay? He's hanging out with his friends, he's eating dinner, he's a guest at someone's house. We pick up the story here in Mark 14, verse 3. It says, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of oil, of, of pure nard. Um, which is just a mixture of oil and perfume. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on him. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Think about that. A bottle of perfume worth a year's salary, okay? I'm going to bring this into modern day context. I googled, what does the average Canadian make in a year? What's the average salary right now? Google tells me the average Canadian makes about $50,000 a year, okay? So imagine $50,000 bottle of perfume is being brought out during a dinner party and it's being broken um, on, on the feet of Jesus, okay? And so now some people at this party, like, what's, what's wrong with you? Why are you wasting all of that money? Like, you could have sold this perfume. You could have bought a pair of shoes. You could have taken the money and, like, helped the poor. They, they don't understand. Why are you doing this? And then Jesus responds in verse 6. He says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. If we take a pause right here in the story, we can see that something significant has happened. 
it's not just significant because something expensive, something of monetary value came out. Uh, there's something significant about the posture of worship and honor that this woman brings in this moment with Jesus. Uh, at the time that this was written, it was actually customary uh, when someone came over to your house to anoint their head with oil. Okay, so it's not a weird thing if you think about it. Someone's coming to your house now, you might shake their hand, might give them a hug. Post-pandemic, we might be giving a fist bump, I'm not sure. But, you know, that that's normal. So at this time, it was totally normal if a guest came to your house, just take a little bit of oil and anoint them on the head. So the fact that this, this perfume bottle, this oil bottle is here, that's not really the significant part, okay? The significant part is the fact that there's so much of it being poured out. On top of that, if you actually study the jar itself, they, they say that it was probably a round bottle full of, full of oil and perfume. And then the neck itself, though, was really narrow. So it was easy to get small amounts of oil out, but if you wanted everything out, she had to physically break the bottle, had to physically break the neck of the bottle so that she could pour things out. And what a beautiful picture of worship and honor that is for us. That's just a beautiful way to model worship. And so on our teams, when we say, okay, it's time to break the bottle this morning, it's time to break the bottle this week, what we're saying is, okay, we're, we're going to go past what is customary. We're going to go back past what is just comfortable for us. We're going to just not see worship as 20 minutes on a Sunday in this building, but rather we're going to break the bottle. We're going to take all of our gifts, all of our talents, our purpose, our creativity. We're going to take the ugly, the beautiful, the bad, weaknesses, strengths. We're going to take all of that. We're going to well it up on the inside of our hearts break the bottle and offer it in full worship and surrender to Jesus simply because he's worthy. Come on, how beautiful is that picture of worship? In Samuel 24, it says, I will not offer to the Lord God any offerings or sacrifices that have cost me nothing. If you want to break the bottle in your life, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you to wake up a little bit early to get into this room on time. It's going to cost you some uncomfortable discussions with your family and conversations with your friends. It's going to cost you discipline to get back into routines of reading your Bible and praying. It's going to cost you decisions that maybe don't make sense, but you're just following peace and trusting God. It's going to cost us something to break the bottle, but let me tell you, he's so Worthy. What we're saying is, okay, I'm not just going to do what's mundane, what's ordinary, what's expected of me. I refuse to come into this room and just raise my hands because I think that's what we do here at the City Church. Breaking the Bottle says, I'm just not going to sit in one of these seats and just sing because there's lyrics up on the screen. Breaking the Bottle says, okay, I'm going to reassess my heart. I'm going to think of all the things that God has done. I'm going to break the bottle, pour out my whole life in worship and surrender simply because he's worthy. In closing, I actually just wanted to share with you a story, um, a vacation story for me, uh, that I kind of thought of when I was reading through um, these scriptures. And so a couple years ago, I actually went on a vacation to Montreal. I had visited a bunch of times with my friends, and uh, we decided on this vacation we're going to kind of stay in a nicer hotel and enjoy, like, an experience, okay? So we're out in this hotel, and uh, and then on the first day, we decide to go shopping. And this time, we're armed with vacation money. Do you guys know what vacation money is? All right. Vacation money is, like, 
you have the same stores, access to the same products back at home, and like things that you would have never, never normally purchased because it would have been too expensive, simply because you're on vacation and you're in a new city, we're willing to spend it, okay? We've got some vacation money with us. And so on the first day of this vacation, we decide to head to Sephora. We're armed with vacation money. You can do damage at Sephora on a normal week let alone when you've got some vacation money with you, okay? And so uh, we head to Sephora. My friend goes to the very back where they keep all the expensive stuff. And she actually picks up a bottle of perfume, okay? She picks up uh, some Joe Malone perfume. Ladies in the room, I know you know what that smells like. If you don't, I need you to Google it. Go get a sample and let your nostrils be blessed with the smell. That is Joe Malone perfume. Anyway, so she picks it up. Next thing I know, we're back in the hotel. We're actually in the elevator. And I don't know what happened, but next thing I know, I'm looking at her, this bottle of perfume flying in the air. She had fumbled the bag, and I mean, you can imagine what happens next. Bottle comes completely crashing down, glasses everywhere, the bottle has been shattered, there's liquid pouring out, we're trying to scoop this perfume up, we don't know what to do with it, because there's no bottle to put it back in, right? Uh, and so we're kind of scrambling, and then uh, moments later, the elevator door opens, and, and you can feel the aroma of, like, the scent of the perfume just completely escaping uh, this elevator room, and it kind of fills the entire hotel. It fills our floor, and all week, we were actually known as the Joe Malone girls on this vacation, okay? We'd be leaving the hotel, the concierge would say, bye, bye, Malone girls, like, have a great time, Malone girls. We ordered room service. We got a little note that said, like, to the Malones, like, enjoy your meal. We were known for, like, the scent because it had totally filled up this entire hotel. And I think about it because in John 12, there's a little phrase that made me think of it. John is writing about um, the same story we read in earlier. John 12, 3, it says, Mary took about a pint of this expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. See, our moments of worship, of breaking the bottle, it doesn't just end in these moments in interactions between us and God. It actually has this lingering effect that completely spreads and touches every single area of our life. Breaking the bottle, it doesn't just end in these like moments of, okay, I got what I needed from God and then that's it. It actually touches every area. It touches our finances and our, our marriages, our relationships, our friendships. It touches every single area. Check this out, 2 Corinthians 2.15. It says that we have become the unmistakable aroma of the victory of the anointed one to God. A perfume of life to those being saved and the odor of death to those who are perishing. The unbelievers, your friends, your family members that don't know Jesus, that might be feeling hopeless, smell a deadly stench, the hopelessness in the world that leads to death. But believers, us, those who know God and have hope in him, we smell the life-giving aroma that leads to abundant life. And who of us can rise to this challenge? This morning, my prayer is that we would rise to that challenge to see, just to open up our eyes, kind of broaden our scope, that worship isn't just 20 minutes on a Sunday. Our lives are in worship to him because of what he's done, because of his goodness. I mean, we sang about it this morning, because of his goodness and his grace, his faithfulness that is far-reaching. In response to that, hey, I'm going to 
break the bottle in every moment of my life, in every opportunity. I'm going to swell up. I'm going to take things that might be ugly. I'm going to offer it to God. My gifts, my talents, my resource, my time, all of it, I'm going to offer it to him because he's so good. Come on, what a beautiful picture of worship that is. I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. Team's going to lead us into a song, but I actually just wanted to pray for you before we do that. Um, My prayer is that we would not just like let these words sit here and be like, that's a cute idea. My prayer is that we would actually have the strength and courage to live that out every single day. Let me just pray for you and then our team. And they're going to lead us in worship and we're going to break the bottle, okay? We're going to chase after God this morning. We're going to watch the roof kind of fall off this place this morning and set off the atmosphere of faith in here. Father, I just thank you so much just for who you are and for your goodness. We just take a second to pause. We take a second to remember your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. Father, like we sang this morning, where would we be without you? And so, Father, I just thank you that your grace has been far-reaching. Father, we love you and we just thank you so much. Father, I pray right now just for this uh, posture of worship. I thank you that... um, that right now you would just give confidence and courage and you're stirring things up in our heart just to chase after you more, that we would be able to move closer to you. I thank you so much that it's not actually for show. It's not to do just because this is what we think, this is what we have to do. But Father, I thank you that when we boldly step towards you, Father, that we encounter you in new and fresh ways. Father, I thank you for fresh wind, fresh wind in our sails, Father, just to move us closer to who you are. Father, you are good. We stir up faith in our heart, Father, we chase after you with all of who we are, Father. We pour it out. We just thank you so much. 